Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, January the 31st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are taking a deep, deep dive into the biographies of all 12 coaches ready to join or stay on the Miami Dolphins staff. Which players have they developed, the stops around the league they made, and the common theme among them all. But first, really quickly, I kindly invite each of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast for all the coverage of April's draft here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I wrote up a script for this episode. It's pretty long. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And this is going to be something of an elementary school style book report podcast, if you will. If you guys haven't checked it out by now, head over to LockedOnDolphins.com and peep the Speed Dating Miami Dolphins 2019 Coaching Staff Edition column. The backgrounds of all 12 coaches on staff for the Dolphins is up in that column. Easy to read. I put it into tables so you guys can check that out and find it very easily. But on this show, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper As far as their experience with particular players, prototypes, that type of thing, and tell you about what their experience was at those positional groups. Because if you have a positional coach getting getting promotions, getting raises, whatever it is, you want to see production out of the players on that coach's position group. So let's go into that here a little bit more, and we'll get to it in a second. But first, a couple of facts for you guys. And this first one, I calculated myself with my own very limited math skill set. And I put it in that column regarding the experience and championship pedigree of Brian Flores' staff, which before we even get into that, I think it's important to note the construction of the staff under Flores. Now, granted, 99% of coaching staffs are allowed to pick their own staffs or the head coaches allowed to pick their own staffs across the NFL, across the football landscape in general, but maybe they shouldn't be because look at Adam Gase up in New York. I mean, Dow Loggins was not or is not qualified to be an offensive coordinator in the league. He's just not. His his track record is not there. And here he is parlaying a relationship with Adam Gase into a second OC gig. And yeah, sure, he's not an actual OC as Gase's offense is Gase's offense. And there's not a leader behind that oh-so-high-powered offensive attack other than Adam Gase himself. But Brian Flores' staff assemblation is so much different than what Adam Gaze was doing in Miami and now up in New York. He was granted full autonomy, Brian Flores, and that is increasingly evident by the Darren Rizzi note about the two meeting and mutually agreeing to part company and move on. And the report is that Rizzi didn't want to return to Miami as anything other than a head coach, which 
let's be honest, it's pretty fucking laughable because Rizzi is just not qualified to be a head coach in the National Football League. This was his first interview for a head coaching job, and I would bet that it's going to be his last. The gall on the guy to think that Miami somehow spurned him is just off-putting to me in Darren Rizzi's corner in general. Now, maybe that's a bit judgmental, as I'm sure Darren is a great guy, and he provided plenty of good work down in Miami for a number of years, and he does have job offers all over the league according to reports, but as a special teams coach. So good for him. Go get that money, Darren. I appreciate what you did, Miami, but good riddance. We'll see you down the line somewhere else. But what was Brian Flores' aim with this staff here? What does Brian Flores want? Well, I'll let a friend tell you what Brian Flores wants. I want winners. That's it, baby. He wants fucking winners. Win, 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 win. Guys that can win. Win. And that's really the long and the short of it with this staff. The pedigree of winners of championships, and that's what he got on this staff. And back to my own conclusive research, there are 263 years of coaching experience on the backs of those 12 hires or 10 hires with two retentions. And we'll get into that in the next segment here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There are 12 Super Bowl rings and possibly 14 come Monday morning if the Patriots win that will be on this Dolphins staff in 2019. Three guys on this staff have called offensive plays. Two guys have called plays on the defensive side. And the ironic thing there is that none of those men are Chad O'Shea, offensive coordinator, and Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator. But I like the idea that they're going to be mentored and eased into the role with plenty of experience and consultation to nurture them into the program, into the job, and into the profession of taking an entire part of a football team and being the head guy. It's great experience, a great way to teach them and have them learn. This is just good business in any industry, football or otherwise. So while you might say, Travis, you get too excited about all the stuff the Dolphins do. Yeah, maybe, maybe I do. But first, please remember, I am a fan of this team and I have sort of evolved into a professional fan of sorts, if that's even a thing. But I still get very excited when the team wins and I get bummed out when they lose. And I always approach things with an optimistic vantage point, but this is why I am excited. The process. Remember, the process is the part that you can completely control, not the results always, but you can control the process, and the process on this thinking is a good one, and we should be excited about that. And real quick, before we head to break here, a couple of notes from C.K. Parrott. You guys know him, Chris Kaufman. Miami's coaching staff will have been represented in eight of the last 10 Super Bowls in the NFL. And to compound the 12 rings I mentioned earlier, Chris notes the staff has 21 conference championships in the NFL among them. And just for the hell of it, he threw in the fact that there are four national championship rings. And that, of course, is at the college level. I want winners. Winners, baby. That's what we got, winners. And circling back to Darren Rizzi here real quick, because there was plenty of vitriol about Darren Rizzi being dismissed or being allowed to leave and bringing in Danny Crossman, the new special teams coordinator. Well, let's go ahead and look at the two guys' credentials up against each other the last few years playing in the same division because I came across pretty harshly on Danny Crossman's 31st ranked special teams unit, according to Football Outsiders DVOA in that speed dating column. 
but he has been on a pretty similar track to Darren Rizzi over the last few years, and this one was provided to me by a Reddit member on our Miami Dolphins, what's up boys, by Ageless John Denny is his screen name, and also, how fucking perfect is that name for this stat? Just too good, you can't make that stuff up sometimes. But here are Crossman's Bills ranks compared to Darren Rizzi's Dolphins ranks in DVOA Special Teams Unit Rankings. 2018, this year, not very good. Buffalo was actually 32nd, I said 31st. They were dead last. But the Dolphins and those multiple blocked punts they had were 21st, so that's not great either. Back to 2017, the Bills 10th, great. The Dolphins 12th, also very good. 2016, Bills 22nd, Dolphins 12. 2015, Bills 4th, outstanding. Dolphins 32nd, dead last. And 2014, Bills 30th, Dolphins 23rd. So you might say that they're not great numbers there for Crossman, but they're pretty much similar to what they were for Darren Rizzi, who is universally lauded by Miami Dolphins fans. And Crossman has coached special teams since 1993, which is where his career began at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Can you say discipline? The longevity is attractive as well. He was with the Panthers for seven years, the Lions for three, and the Bills for six. Those stops or length of stops, despite the three years there for the Lions, are pretty rare in the NFL. So, I'm not going to sit here and bemoan this move from Rizzi to Crossman because, frankly, I don't think it's that big of a deal. All right, so we can cross Crossman off the list, intentional use of words there. But next, we're going to dive into the rest of the Dolphins coaching staff here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I am so, so very thankful for real, actual content this time of year. That hasn't always been the case. And with this final January episode here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, I am thrilled to say that we absolutely crushed, I mean pulverized, our previous high in podcast downloads on the podcast here and page views on the LockedOnDolphins.com blog page. So thank you guys all so, so very much for making that happen, and to toot my own horn here a little bit. The content is, let's be real, the content is what keeps you guys coming back. So let's get into that content. And we talked about Danny Crossman, special teams coordinator replacing Darren Rizzi. And I think you guys have heard me talk about Brian Flores every single day now for a couple of weeks. And if you missed yesterday's episode with Mark Schofield of Locked On Patriots, you are certainly going to want to check that one out. But let's go ahead and get into the other coordinators here and start off with Chad O'Shea as Mark Schofield so eloquently put. He is the one in charge of the Patriots red zone plan for the last several years. He is the guy under that wing that controls the play call or the plan or the game plan, I should say, for the Patriots red zone attack as that New England offense and team in general is so specifically task-oriented that he was trusted with that very, very important task and has provided huge returns for that Patriots offense in that area. As far as his work with wide receivers groups, we know that he was there to develop Julian Edelman. He was there for Chris Hogan becoming whatever the hell Chris Hogan is. He spent some time with the Minnesota Vikings in a little bit underwhelming group of wide receivers, but he did help develop or had a hand in developing Sidney Rice as his wide receivers coach. And Troy Williamson, former seventh overall draft pick in the NFL, did not work out and did not develop. He was also part of the Chiefs special team staff when Dante Hall was a thing. So frankly, I'm really excited about Chad O'Shea and seeing a new approach to the offense and maybe a more refreshed mindset with adaptable schemes and that type of thing. 
opposed to what Adam Gaze was. Going over to the defensive side of the football and Patrick Graham, he was a linebackers coach and run game coordinator for the Packers this season. Blake Martinez turned into a damn fine player under Graham's watch there, and the run defense ranked 11th in yards per carry, but 23rd in overall run defense in 2018. But I think yards per carry is a more important stat there. He was the Giants defensive line coach and got dominant production out of that 2016 team, including Olivier Vernon, our former Dolphin, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Snacks Harrison, a damn fine group up front there in New York. And then, of course, his time with the New England Patriots as a linebacker and defensive line coach from 2009 to 2015, where he championed the likes of Gerard Mayo, Adelius Thomas, Teddy Bruschi. He turned a, he turned our own Rob Ninkovich into an actual player. He got production out of Brandon Spikes and would later move up front to the defensive line where he developed Chandler Jones as his first positional coach in the NFL. I mean, there are tons of guys that developed under that staff, under Patrick Graham's watch, the guys that he was in the meeting rooms with every single day. Going back to the offensive side of the ball and the positional coaches, quarterbacks coach Jim Caldwell, as we all know, is very, very well-traveled. Joe Flacco's best run, the 2012 playoffs and Super Bowl win, came under Caldwell's watch when they fired Cam Cameron and promoted Caldwell from quarterbacks coach up to offensive coordinator and play caller. He helped aid Matt Stafford's career to the next level and was obviously the quarterback's coach for a long, long time with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. That's a really good quarterback resume there for Jim Caldwell. 62 years old, brings tons of experience, play calling, all the stuff you want as the assistant head coach. The running backs coach, Eric Stutisville, is the same guy as it was last year, a holdover there. Retaining this guy, to me, was Flores' biggest win. The Dolphins' running game in 2018 was really the only consistent faction of the football team outside of Jason Sanders, and it's because of the new schemes that Stutisville brought as the run game coordinator. He incorporated things that Adam Gase and Chris Furster, for whatever the hell he is, were not doing in 2017. He also spent seven years coaching up the Broncos, always terrific backfield in that zone scheme. So he is flexible, versatile. You guys all know about that. He spent time with Marshawn Lynch back in Buffalo, Tiki Barber in New York, and a less than desirable result with Curtis Enos in Chicago back in the 90s. So I like that one a lot, obviously. Receivers coach, Carl Dorrell, I think I said that right, Dorrell, spent the last four years with the Jets, and that group was, well, let's call it underwhelming. He did get that terrific 2015 season out of Brandon Marshall. He was the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt in 2014 and worked with Matt Schaub in Houston as quarterback's coach with the Texans there, but he also worked uh, with Chad Henney in Miami. Gross. Tight ends coach George Godsey, that one is the strangest one of the lot to me. He's been coaching since 2004 at UCF. There's actually a ton of UCF connections on this staff. Just thought that was an odd tidbit that deserved to get into the show. But he's only coached tight ends once before, and that was the 2011 to 2013 run in New England with Gronk and the Murderer. So it's tough to say that he developed them. I don't really like this marriage with Godsey and Mike Gusecki. So that one I'm very weary of. And on the offensive line, Pat Flaherty, didn't get a whole lot out of the Jags' offensive line this season, although four out of their five starters were eventually injured throughout the course of the season. But they were very good under his watch in 2017 as that power running team and that mauling, kick-you-in-the-teeth type of mentality. So hopefully he brings that south to Miami. The Niners in 2016, the offensive line was lackluster that year, but he was the offensive line coach with the New York Giants from 2004 through. 
through 2015, which produced tons of pro bowlers over the years in its own right. He also served as a tight ends coach, so maybe he can come over and help teach Mike Gusecki how to block someone for the first time in his career. All right, guys, we're going to finish this thing up looking at the defensive positional coaches for the new staff under Brian Flores. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Experience, winning, some of those core traits of this new Dolphins staff as we press on for this final podcast of January. We are closing in on 350 episodes with your boy at the commands. Let's go ahead and press on here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Dolphins Podcast, and tell you about defensive lines coach Marion Hobby. He took a great Calais Campbell. Let's not get that twisted at all and tell you how great Calais Campbell was, both in the University of Miami and with the Arizona Cardinals. But then he got a defensive player of the year level performance out of Campbell in 2017 in Jacksonville as the D-lines coach there. He was the positional coach there for the development of Yannick Ngakwe, one of the better pass rushers in the NFL right now. But Dante Fowler is the one downside on his resume because Fowler did not work out in Jacksonville. And I'm sure the initial knee injury right after being drafted did not help that cause as he is now in Los Angeles about to play in the Super Bowl with the Rams and doing a huge part of the heavy lifting on that pass rush there for them. But it is a downside on Hobby's resume. Who knows? Maybe they can sign him and have a chance to reconcile that in this free agency period. Although, if you look to reports from Armando Salguero and Barry Jackson, they are adamant that this Dolphins team is tanking, which we'll save that that topic of discussion for tomorrow's podcast. But if they are to go out in free agency, Dante Fowler would be a good option there, and there is that connection there. Hobby also was a big part in recruiting Christian Wilkins at Clemson, that dominant defensive line they have there. He was there to recruit those guys as he was on staff as the D-line coach from 2011 to 2016, and he also spent time with the New Orleans Saints in 2006 and 2007. The linebackers coach, Robbie Leonard, that's the one that besides the tight ends coach George Godsey, probably makes the least sense to me because frankly, he doesn't have the winning pedigree or the experience pedigree that the rest of this staff does coming in trying to aid a young coach, a young offensive coordinator, and a young defensive coordinator. But that's the guy they went with as he did spend time with Graham in New York on that linebackers and defensive line group. He's never been the coach of a positional group, but he has been an assistant with the Giants for the last six years, which, I mean, you can't put all the things on one positional coach, but the Giants team in general has just not been good over that six years. And then there's Tony Oden, the defensive backs coach who was with the Dolphins last year, one of the two holdovers, along with running backs coach and run game coordinator, Eric Stutisville. He stays in Miami. He was on Detroit staff from 2014 to 2017, where he instituted one of the more dime-heavy secondaries in the NFL, something I have been asking for for a while now, something that Matt Burke, who also got hired by the Philadelphia Eagles under Jim Schwartz, by the way, something Matt Burke would not do ever in his time in Miami. Darius Slay is his home run development prospect there. Glover Quinn also had some big years in his defensive backfield as well. Odin was the DB's coach in Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and Houston. And this is all pretty recently, so kind of weird 
on his resume to see him jump around the NFL so much. So we'll find out soon, I suppose, if he sticks around in Miami. But the secondary last year with the talent they had didn't really play that well. But I wonder how much of that had to do with Odin compared to what Matt Burke was giving him from a personnel standpoint with McDonald and Jones being the same player in many ways, Kiko Alonso being on the field, all that fun stuff. But we'll get into that as the summer comes along here. But he is one of the two holdovers from the previous staff from Adam Gay. So that should speak pretty well, I assume, of his competence. And if you guys want to get the entirety of these guys' coaching track records, you can go to Wikipedia and search them one by one if you want. But you don't have to because I got you covered on LockedOnDolphins.com. The column is titled Speed Dating, Miami Dolphins 2019 Coaching Staff Edition. Get to know these guys with the name tag, your drinks, your two-drink minimum, and find out about where these guys have been, where they're going, and see if you like them for yourselves or not. And guys, that is going to be it for my time today. That's the coaching staff we have so far. There will be many more assistants added in the coming weeks, I am sure. I cannot wait for Brian Flores' introductory press conference with the Miami, first and foremost to cover it because I find that stuff fascinating, but also to get some damn pictures of him in the aqua and orange. I am sick and tired of using Patriots photos on the website and looking at that ugly flying Elvis logo of theirs up in Foxborough. But as for today's podcast, guys, that is going to do it for me. If you have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and get that queued up right quickly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Friday edition, a Super Bowl preview, a Twitter mailbag edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, everybody.